Hello and welcome back to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry and every time I do something that I'm proud of, I buy myself a cherry pie. This week I'm chatting with the incredibly talented stop motion artist known online as Head Explody, but in person she's known as Annie Wong. She shares how she's developed her unique style of animation which brands absolutely love. It's why she's been able to work with clients like Vans, Giphy, and Adult Swim, as well as how she ended up on the HBO reality show Craftopia. On top of this, she dives deep into running her own business with art and what's next for her. But first, this episode is sponsored by Hue, makers of colorful plug and play cameras for learning, work, and play. Originally designed for teachers, Hue cameras can also be used for creative activities such as capturing hand-drawn pencil tests and shooting behind-the-scenes footage, time-lapse videos, and of course, stop-motion animation. Their cameras have flexible, posable necks, manual focus controls, and they are compatible with DragonFrame, OBS, Twitch, Zoom, and many other camera apps. Visit HueHD.com to learn more and follow at Hue Cameras on social media for news, fun, and giveaways. And as always, get 10% off any Hue product from HueHD.com with the code 10TerryAIP. And I've included a link to that in the description of this chat, so please go check them out. And now, without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Annie. How's how's your afternoon doing? Doing good. Hi, Terry. I'm highly <laughs> caffeinated, so I'm ready. Great. I have a coffee here myself. Um, yeah. And for everybody not watching this on YouTube, I think you should go to YouTube and check out Annie's super cool brooches and necklace combo. Uh, would you like to explain it or shall I? Yeah, I have a couple of clay eyeballs pinned to my yellow cardigan here. And then I have a necklace that is a clay mouth. So I'm wearing a face. You're wearing a face. You got two faces on. Great. I, I, it's like the first thing I noticed when we, we hopped on it. I love it. So I'm going to get myself a pair eventually. Eyes up here, Terry. Eyes up here. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's chat about everything Annie. Uh, you know, um, you do super cool stop motion stuff. You've worked on tons of, uh, kind of social campaigns. And, and TV shows. You were on a TV show, which is super cool. I want to know how that happened. Like, what the heck? I want to go on a TV show and make crafts too. <laughs> but where did, you know, it seems like you're doing a lot of cool stuff from my perspective, but where did this all kind of start for you? You know, at what point were you like, I have this really great skill that people seem to want and I'm going to, I'm going to put myself out there and pursue this. And that's how I'm going to make money. Um, well, I, I went to school for animation, um, several, several years ago. I actually, I think how I ended up doing that was I used to work in a local children's park here in Oakland, California, where I also, it was a storybook children's park. So it's kind of like a, our local miniature version of Disneyland. So I started to kind of get into the practice of like storytelling. And the other cool thing about that park was there's a puppet theater there. So I actually became a puppeteer. For like oh. seven years doing that um so i think at a certain point i wanted to kind of move out of illustration and puppetry and move towards animation because i think it's just sort of like a natural extension of just um storytelling and filmmaking and i was really interested in that so i did school for i don't know like three years or something like that grad school and I don't know the Sorry, way you, you were just... already an illustrator before this point. Yeah, I was a art director slash illustrator at the children's park here, children's fairyland in Oakland. So oh. I, yeah, kind of like creating visuals for like a public audience was like kind of 
uh, I guess in a way, like cut my teeth. Is that the phrase? I don't know. I Whatever. Think so. It's a weird got phrase. Some, got some expression, uh, experience doing that there. And I, when I was like illustrating, it's a 19, it's, it's like the park is from like the 1950s. So it's very retro. So I was also referencing a lot of like Mary Blair and just sort of like, um, you know, kind of like UPA style illustration. That's what I was really loving at the time. And so again, I think it was just a natural extension to want to go into more of that. I was looking at all of these animation artists as illustration reference. And then I was, oh. yeah, I eventually was just like, why don't I, uh, why don't I learn animation? That would be cool. So did you, uh, did you go to Cal Arts or different like SCAD or something like that? I went to Academy of Art in San Francisco because okay. uh, I'm up here in the Bay Area. And I actually, I started as a viz dev major, which was really helpful kind of like learning character design and, and all of that stuff. Um, I took one stop motion class and then uh -oh. it was like, this is it. <laughs> like, yeah, this wow, is, okay. This is what I like. This is like filmmaking, this is puppet making. I get to play with sets, you know, miniatures. Um, and luckily Academy of Art in San Francisco is, I, I feel like one of the few schools in the area that actually has like a like a little stop motion department so they had the facilities to like support that type of study oh. um yeah so i got to just kind of like live in a live in a um stop motion cave for like a like a year <laughs> and develop those skills well it looks like you still live in a stop motion cave all these years later <laughs> I, I do it's a little brighter today <laughs> yeah amazing i love how you kind of naturally found yourself in this and then took one stop motion course and you're like this amalgamates all of my interests did you go yeah back to the storybook gardens afterwards with with this new found skills and whatever like how did how did you get your feet on the ground with stop motion then after school um I think you know when I when I had graduated like um vine and instagram were really taking off hmm. so that was back in like 2015 yeah. and I was looking at all these fine artists that were doing stop motion i just thought it was really cool how they were like making money off of you know whatever doing commercials for like home depot and stuff yeah and so i think that planted the seed in my head that i didn't necessarily have to move to new york or la to um do work and also kind of like the moving thing wasn't necessarily i mean it was kind of an option but also my partner at the time well, he's still my partner, actually. <laughs> but we both had kind of gone to school at the same time, and he got a job. Uh, he studied like audio engineering, and so he got a like a really good job in Berkeley. So I was like, well, moving would be a hassle. <laughs> so, so I kind of just ended up that way. That there was a good chunk of time that I didn't know what I was doing. I was kind of, I graduated and I was like, I don't know, I'll send out my resumes. But a lot of times these studios would prefer that you actually live in the town totally, <laughs> that they're yeah. shooting the production in. And I was working day jobs um, and just making art at night and posting it to social media to the, till it got enough attention that I think, you know, it started to kind of catch the interests of uh, clients. So who is that first client that, and how long after you started posting to Vine and social and social media and stuff? Oh my goodness, Vine is, 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 is TikTok now, I guess. <laughs> but I do yeah. remember, like I was working at a business and we were like hiring Vine artists to like promote our 
vitamins and supplements and it was crazy it was weird yeah yeah because you were doing like marketing yeah like back in yeah, like yeah. for animation right yeah, yeah yeah yep that was the time <laughs> um first client i think it was actually uh it was an ad agency i can't it was so long ago i can't remember the name it was an ad agency in san francisco and they were doing an internal campaign with um, paypal and they wanted to they wanted they commissioned me to do I think like 10 or 12 animated gifts wow uh, yeah and it was like it was like a big job for me at the time to do like that many and for like that level of a client um so that was really encouraging and it, and also very scary because it's just like I don't know so sure so I can do this yes why do you think they reached out to you did you have a ton of followers did had you posted consistent work on social media that just showed products being displayed um because like when I, I chatted with Kevin Perry who's yeah. a he's kind of a social media stop motion yeah. guy and his whole strategy was to animate things that clients might like I guess mm -hmm. where they can like import their product instead were you doing something similar sort of definitely not with that intention <laughs> I wasn't that strategic about it I was just posting like my goofy animated gifs onto onto Giphy actually I think they found me off of Giphy because oh. they were specifically looking for animated gifs that that was and, and probably still is like a, a really good platform to just you know do a search for whatever um, on that platform and and I think they were specifically looking for stop motion so it was probably mm. some combination of whatever like happy stop motion and my name probably popped up there and um, yeah yeah I think I remember asking them like that's how they found me through that oh, platform wow. yeah okay wow that so you're like right place right time trending putting yourself yeah. out there one of the few people probably how has it gone since like was that just like you know that got the wheels churning that that's I don't know what the saying saying is whatever but like uh did that spark things for you and then you have and here we are <laughs> kind of I mean it's not necessarily that like I, that consistent work was coming in like immediately after that but it did that being like one of my first jobs I think it just gave me the confidence to mm. be like, oh, yeah, this is something I can do because I was still working my day job as an assistant photographer at the time. Um, and then just continuing to kind of like build my portfolio of just short form animation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that eventually I I think I reached a point where I was like, all right, I think I'm ready to hop onto the, the scary world of freelance um, because I really loved yeah, I really love just making stuff in my studio and just kind of having some more control over my schedule. Totally. Yeah. So you're newly graduated. Um, you're working a job you don't exactly want. You know what you <laughs> want to do. And yeah. you're doing it in the evenings. And then you get your first paid gig, which is actually like PayPal's like A plus client. 10 to 12 gifts is like, that's tons of work. How did it, how did it feel? Like when you got that email it's one of the it was it was you know being like very excited to have it very like kind of like oh wow they noticed me and also very I was very nervous about it because like I had never worked with like an agency before I didn't really know about contracts or whatever I'm glad that they were kind and and had their stuff together and you know sent me over that 
information. I was like, cool. Yep. Let's do it. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're like a pretty nice client to work with and yeah, but it was, it was also cool. Like my boss at the time was really happy for me. And again, photography, you know, that's involved in stop motion too. So she kind of had an idea of like the stuff that I was interested in working on on the side. So it was cool to chat with her about it and get that support. So I think just it was definitely helpful, like any kind of just like friend support or whatever, like community support that I could. That's what I try to lean on now whenever I'm feeling very anxious about doing like gigs. What do you mean like um what do you mean lean on community support now like do you reach out to fellow freelance artists and say like hey i'm i'm having trouble with this what did you do yeah yeah a little bit not at the time because again i was still very new to the world of freelancing and stop motion and animation in, in general so i didn't really have a lot of contacts but but over time over you know over the like the last five years i've been doing it um yeah i try to do that a lot more because it is scary when you're asked to do a thing and like you think you can do it yeah. like you've definitely done it in school or like a school version but um you know sometimes like stuff will pop up and uh you're like oh no i don't know who to ask <laughs> to deal with this um yeah one person i will like always thank is um webster colcord um are you familiar with his work animation um, artist maybe let me look it up webster cole Cool yeah, he used to work for um, Vincent Nick Jr. Yeah, he did a lot of like the Nick Jr. stuff. And I remember just emailing him once, like I think in the first or second year that I was starting. Oh, yeah, I I, I, now that I'm on his Clay. Instagram, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's funny. I know people's work more than their names sometimes. <laughs> he was so generous. Oh, uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> But yeah, you know, something like that. Like he was just so generous with like sharing information with me of just like clay and like um, how how much maybe like a certain budget should be for like jobs yeah. and stuff. Oh my gosh, budget so is that so tough to figure out. So, okay, so you had your first freelance gig and here we are, uh, that was 2015. Here we are almost 10 years later. You're still freelance, you're still oh stop motion. Are you, are you still doing yeah. other jobs like photography or you're 100% doing artistic freelance stuff. I'm no longer doing like the photography, the assistant photographer job. I did start teaching um, about a year and a half ago. So that's like the new thing that I'm that I'm doing. And I kind of, you know, I, I didn't officially like take a year off of freelancing last year, but it kind of just happened that way because my brain was so focused on trying to learn how to be like a teacher, like an animation teacher. Um, and it's actually been really rewarding. I really like that. So oh. that's like the other thing that I do in addition to, um, you know, every once in a while, like when a gig comes in a stop motion gig. Yeah. Did you, did you, uh, was teaching kind of on your radar as something you wanted to do, or was this kind of opportunity presented to you and you took it as like, a? am just wondering, like, cause being freelance for so long and now you're teaching, it seems like a little bit of a difference, you know, lifestyle, career style, I guess. Yeah, everything that I've done just sort of like happened organically out of some like small version of an interest following like some interest will that will maybe later lead to an opportunity. So one of the things that I'm sure you've probably talked about with other 
freelancers is like when you're freelancing and when you're running your own business, um, it's really helpful to have like multiple income sources. And because like for client work, if you have <laughs> no clients for like a few months, like if you haven't planned for that, it can be pretty rough. So yeah. one of the things that I started doing in, I think it was 2020 was I started a Patreon. Um, and you just started a Patreon, yeah? Hey, you know it. <laughs> For this podcast. Yeah. Check out the animation industry Patreon. Um, through that, through doing that, you know, one of like a very common um, perk that people will offer for Patreon, their Patreon subscribers is like doing demos or tutorials um, and offering that on on their on the Patreon platform. So that's something that I started doing because that's something that, you know, people like ask all the time, like, how do you do stop motion? Yeah. So I would do, you know, I had, I had all this client work and I had a lot of like behind the scenes and just like process posts of like, this is how I did this job for Instagram or like, this is how I did this job for like the avocado people. <laughs> and it, and I just po would post that stuff in there. So that kind of gave me practice uh -huh. in how to like explain my process. Um, and then I would kind of do it through, then I did like one Zoom workshop on Patreon. I really enjoyed that. Hmm. And, and then, yeah, eventually like an opportunity um, came my way through, through Academy of Art University, my former school. Um, one of my favorite teachers, Norm DiCarlo, uh, teaches there. And I guess um, they needed a teacher for one of the intro animation classes and i was and he just asked me like and he was also like i think this would be good for you <laughs> <laughs> are you available and it is this one of another one of those like i've never done this before but yes i'll try it and it was online so that helped that it was a little bit of an easier form of teaching yeah um yeah and then after that the universe, whatever, another opportunity opened up where Cal State East Bay was in desperate need of an animation teacher because I think the I think the pandemic kind of, you know, it caused a lot of shifts in staffing and sense. they needed someone. And when you're freelancing, it's very easy to be available. <laughs> I didn't have anything else going on at the time. Um, so that's how I ended up in that world in addition to or just how it kind of grew from like that thing to like Patreon to like yeah. university teaching. I like how kind of organically you explained how it was built. Like, you know, you were just doing these little tutorials and demos on Patreon, but that was probably enough kind of proof for you in your mind to take on something like this. And also like validation for the, per the people hiring you to be like, oh, she already teaches. Um, you also mentioned it's tough for some. Yeah, yeah a couple of months uh, when you don't have work, what has prevented you? So like you're, say you're month three, you don't have work and you don't know if any work's coming. What prevents you from finding mm -hmm. that stable job like assistant photography again versus trusting, you know, who you are and what you want to do with your art and saying, no, I'm not going to pursue something that can give me some income and stability. I'm going to keep looking into the void and hope something pops out. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, that's really, that's a really interesting question. Cause I think I definitely would have answered it differently before I became a teacher than I would answer it now. Hmm. Um, 
I think the way that I would approach it before was I would try to use that time to develop a new offering or something like that. So yeah, so before I became a teacher, it was the Patreon. It was kind of like, all right, I don't have any necessarily like um, corporate clients coming in or anything like that. But in a way, like the patrons are the clients and it was a nice form of accountability of like, I need to continue creating um, content um, or just like keep on working. So that was like one thing. Uh, and I would try to also use that time to just, yeah, I don't know, just like level up some kind of business thing that I wanted to get better at. So it might be like working on an email newsletter or like trying to get better at that. Um, and also maybe just taking a break is good too. <laughs> I mean, it, taking a break is good when you can. Of course. Um, it's interesting to me that you're using your downtime to like level up your game, uh, which would have future payoff as well. And also like my past marketing brain is like, you have one product and you just spend forever marketing that one thing versus you are, uh, me too, you know, the idea is to constantly be creating new stuff all the time and do no marketing. <laughs> How would you, um, so you're teaching now, how would you say that has changed if you have a downturn or downtime or whatnot? Like, yeah, what I love about what I love about teaching because it is, yeah, I think that's the thing they say about freelancing. Like, the kind of you know one of the scariest things is like the lack of stability. So you have to be really equipped to be ready for that, or like just know what to do to make you feel steady and okay in those times. Yeah. And I found that the teaching was really helpful in that way in that it was kind of like a form of doing work that didn't take up so much of my creative brain. Like I wasn't, I didn't have to constantly make like a new character or something. Um, it definitely is effort in a different way. And I know when to expect like a paycheck from that. And now that I'm kind of in my second year of doing it almost like now I know where I can try to like not work so hard at the teaching so I can spend more time you know whereas that is sort of like the stable mid effort job I wouldn't say it's low effort it's like mid effort <laughs> like where to you know how much energy to put into that versus like okay how much energy am I ready to put into like um, whatever studio thing that I'm working on in here or like a new project um and it definitely, I mean, I will say like, it honestly calmed down like a lot of that anxiety to have some kind of other job. And it is related because it, I actually feel like I'm a better animator now because I have had to teach animation. So it's all kind of like recycling that knowledge. Um, like I never did like, a, I never learned to do a walk cycle before. Then <laughs> <laughs> I had to teach it. I was like, oh shoot, now that I have to teach it, I actually really should like legit learn how to do this. <laughs> just because I never had a, a gig that really required it. So in that way, I feel like um, potentially a, a stable job, side job or whatever, it, it could support the other thing that you want to do. So I think that's okay. How do you still have energy after working something like teaching where you have students demanding your time, you have to come up with cur curriculum and you have to be, you still have to be creative. How do you still have enough energy to create art on top of something like teaching that can take up a lot of space 
I've learned a lot about what works for me in terms of like what is energy sucking for me and the things that I need to replenish. So like, for example, last semester I taught five classes, which is never going to do that again. <laughs> Cause there's no you're way running the, could... you're running the school at that point. <laughs> it was like two classes at one school and like three online classes at another school, which I thought like, I'll just see how that goes. And oh, I learned oh, that that was too much. So this semester, I'm only teaching one class, which frees up a lot more time for me yeah. to take on another job, to maybe work on some, a little bit of work for maybe if there's like a small gallery show or something like that, that I want to do. So I think it just, you have to just kind of know for yourself, like how much, what your time, what your personal like energy boundaries are, your time boundaries. Uh, and then I'm just a lot better now that I've been doing it for so long. I'm a lot better now about just like scheduling intentional breaks. So like over the winter, I booked a weekend out in a like a year in a <laughs> like the forest or whatever. <laughs> and it was great. It was great to just kind of be like, I'm shutting off from society for a few days to recharge. You, did, did you say yurt? It was a yurt. Yeah. Oh, wow. So uh, you're really. <laughs> My kind of vacation is like, oh, there's a jacuzzi and a and a free breakfast bar. <laughs> You're like, yeah. So maybe I'm for you, scavenging it's the woods. Time, exactly, exactly. Um. Okay. So you know, you have an established style. You've been making art pretty consistently for quite a while. And now you're teaching. What is your overall goal of what you're doing with your career? You know, like you tried the freelancer thing for a while. Now you have some stability. What is what is that? What is keeping you like what's preventing you from teaching full time and taking on like five classes and being like, this is taking up all my energy. This is great. And yeah. not doing the animation or vice versa, you know? Yeah, I think over time I've just started to um I've started to dig a little bit deeper into the kinds of stories that I want to tell. Hmm. And it is, it is hard to know that I think for a long time I, I didn't really have like a story or whatever. That's why I don't necessarily make short films because I'm like, I don't know what I want to say. <laughs> but I think over the last few years, I've started to kind of hone in on like what the ideas are that I'm most interested in. Um, so that's kind of like what I try to make time for and what I try to work on in the my secret downtime. <laughs> secret downtime. The, the, the thing. So those are the ideas that really light me up. I at some point, I'm thinking about basically like creating like a new body of work or something that's that's not like unrelated to the stuff that I already make. Like it's definitely probably going to have some humor. It'll be playful. It'll be probably cute and weird and gross also. <laughs> But I think now I'm kind of um, one of the hobbies that I started getting into uh, a couple of years ago was like uh, storytelling and like a little bit of comedy. Um, so those were really fun outlets for self-expression that's not specifically like claymation. So just kind of like that's that's kind of what I'm interested in now. So like these other jobs, the teaching, the client work, et cetera, they what I'm hoping is that they kind of build the time for me to eventually like create whatever the next head explodey thing is gonna gonna be yeah i love that also it's kind of going back to your roots where you started in that and that storybook 
sorry, I don't, I forget what it's called, but we have one where I grew up, it's called Storybook Gardens. So that's all I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah, it's probably very similar. Yeah, it, it sounds like it. Um, okay. So you mentioned, you know, your cute style doesn't really have stories. And so that's like looking at your work. It's something I really admire because uh, like a lot of, I look at a lot of stop motion artists and there's kind of like two different corporate worlds. There's like people who animate products, like, you know, it's a cereal brand and the bowl rolls up and the milk comes in and it's like all stop motion animated. And like, that's, I love that, but it's not my style. My style is like really weird, clay, goofies, whatever, which is, I feel like more in line with what you do. How yeah. do you, who, like, how do you get clients for something that's like super wacky, a little bit out there, like not entirely branded like how have you been able to get clients and what kind of clients are these that are taking your style of work instead of putting their product at the forefront of everything um i mean i think just kind of like broadcasting out there through portfolio and social media that this is the very specific thing that i do it kind of makes it easy for anyone that's looking for that type of thing to pick that. So I think what I find can be attractive or works well with my that style is, it's funny, almost like the, um, the opposite of that. So something that is like the opposite of cute and funny. <laughs> so I've had a couple of editorial jobs where it's like, it's an economics article about the rising cost of food <laughs> inflation. <laughs> and that's a really bummer topic. <laughs> So, you know, like, so I think that art director and some art directors think, well, let's try to lighten it up with some see, colorful animation. So that's kind of like one strategy that can work very well, because when you do something that's cute, um, it's basically just that it's communicating. It can potentially communicate a lot, but efficiently. So huh. or and or just, you know, add a little bit of playfulness to to something that maybe is not so playful, uh, or maybe a little bit abstract and, and conceptual and needs something with a little bit more of a, I don't know, universal appeal. So that's, that's how I think about that. So like, I think one way of, of seeing it is like, art directors that want that and or just kind of like, it just happens to align with a brand that's already doing that. So like, I really love the project that I did with Vans, which is, you know, they're very like, Kind of this punk ethos and it's kind of um also very colorful occasionally zany and so i did like a kind of like an instructional video for for their website of like how to use their their cleaning products and they sent me a shoe and i like stuck a face on the shoe <laughs> had it skate in on a like a clay skateboard and just show the things being sprayed on it so i felt like that was a, a client that was like kind of in alignment with my aesthetics and it's always yeah. nice when that happens to work out yeah yeah i was gonna say when when you get like a very boring topic are you like hey, 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 this is <laughs> this is exactly my thing do you have a um do you have an agent like how are these people finding you i know you have quite a few followers on social media but are they all just, just coming in your instagram dms or like your website like how are you actually uh ensuring that you do get work and people are finding you especially now when there's so many people to choose from yeah a little bit of both um and it is one of those things too like for better or for worse like you know if you're consistent on social media then it rewards that yeah <laughs> and you end up being 
you know, staying at the top of people's feeds or whatever. So when I have been less consistent on social media, there definitely, I feel like there've been less emails coming in, hmm. but yeah, sometimes people find me through Instagram or the website and, and then sometimes they go, I do, I am represented by um, an artist agency called Snyder and sometimes I get work through them. Uh, usually they kind of have a lot of clients that they, they work with a lot. So like, uh, Washington Post or something like that, editorial clients, they will have an article, they're looking for some illustration or animation to go with it. So they might reach out to like my agents to see what artists are on the roster to see what visual might be appropriate for the particular article that they're um, writing. I see, I see. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I do want to ask you about Craftopia. <laughs> ask away. How... It, uh, <laughs> What what was the ins did you just get a message out of the blue saying hello did you apply like how did that work i want to know it was the weirdest thing i've ever done but uh, <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> so that was in the summer of 2020 and there is so there is a reality crafting competition show there was a reality crafting competition show on HBO Max called Craftopia there were starting to put together season two season one was with kids season two they wanted to have grown-ups <laughs> and they reached out to me through instagram dms oh and wow i didn't know that that is a thing i didn't know that's a thing that casting agents do but they did so of course i immediately was like oh this is spam yeah. <laughs> this I, this is weird but um but I kind of scoped it out and I was like, oh, this is legit. <laughs> like they, it's a real show. This is a real casting agency. Um, and I think what they were doing, because it was, again, that particular show is very craft theme. I think they were just, they were kind of going on the internet, just kind of probably Google searching, like, I don't know, whatever related to craft. Maybe, I don't know if they were like looking for stop motion specifically. I know they have like, they had an episode where they had paper craft artists also so whatever that was like the casting agency's job um when i got over the fact that it was not fake yeah <laughs> keep in mind this is like uh the the early like you know mid 2020 the height of the pandemic like yeah, yeah, been yeah. staying inside for months and i that was a little bit of the impetus to be like I was gonna go for this and just like see what happens if it happens to just be a fun opportunity to like drive down to LA to do this goofy thing that'd be cool if not fine and uh they so they they phone interviewed me just asked me about my work I think you know they kind of just wanted to see if like I could be like a regular talking human <laughs> right <laughs> and they did like a zoom um audition yeah uh, and then and then i got it nice. which i i did not expect and i really i i didn't understand the phone call at first like they called me and they're like okay here's the next steps blah 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 and i was like okay wait but like am i officially in <laughs> and they're like yeah you are oh wow well they must have you must have worn the same brooch necklace combo and they loved it and <laughs> we're like we have to have her on <laughs> something like that so yeah, I I got in through that. Um, drove down to LA for 
three days we had to quarantine in a hotel for like the first day and you know yeah. they covid tested us and uh and then we shot the thing and it was like super it was super wild to just kind of be in tv land basically yeah yeah so well like so you're there on set and they're like do your thing and you're like oh okay i guess yeah yeah yeah, and yeah. here's a time limit and here's the topic and you have to use these craft supplies and it's a competition <laughs> yeah yeah i had so much anxiety about it i literally had just like stomach pains for oh my for goodness. a couple weeks over this thing but but what was really awesome is that once I got there and met the other contestants, like uh, Glenn and Nick, my fellow craft testants, like they were super, super nice. And I think I try to keep that in mind for like everything that I do now. Like we're all probably thinking the same thing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and we're probably all like a little bit scared of this thing. So let's just once we get that out of the way and no one is trying to sabotage each other. <laughs> then it's a lot easier to have fun. And what was really awesome about that is the crew was really great too. Like working, freelancing, you know, I'm alone most of the time or I'm just kind of like interfacing through Zoom. So the cool thing about just witnessing like how TV production works is just seeing like all of the the producers, the like camera people, you know, everybody that's working together for this one ridiculous thing. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, collaboration. And I've been so lonely like the last few months. I'm so, I love this. They like, they do, they call you up not realizing you live in a cave. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't understand, I'm a stop motion animator. <laughs> like, oh I goodness. shut the windows. Wow, what a, what a time. Um, that I, That's crazy to me and it sounds amazing from my perspective. Um, did anything come of it afterwards? I'm curious, like, you know, being seen by potentially, I don't know how many people have watched that show, but at least 10. <laughs> yeah, I guess probably. More than, more than 10. <laughs> you know, not yet, but it was like a huge confidence booster for me to, again, nice. kind of have that, that uh, realization of like, we're all kind of working to make entertainment and like that is purely joyful and fun um and yeah so the i mean i don't know maybe should i spoil the ending of the show it's kind of it's not on anymore so <laughs> i could just say <laughs> that um so i didn't win the competition <laughs> but Afterwards, one of the production assistants reached out to me and commissioned me to to make something for the showrunner because the showrunner actually like really liked my work. Oh wow! So I I made like a miniature version of what I made on the show as like a Christmas gift for the showrunner. So that was like that was a really sweet like bonus thing that happened for me. That's amazing! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. You know, it's it's so crazy where things lead like i for, in my own experience like doing freelance for this is my second year i had no clue where i was gonna be or i end up or the people i'd work with but like choosing a stable career you're just like you, you kind of choose your path and stay in it and then a freelance is just like whatever comes your way is coming your way and you end up in crazy situations <laughs> exactly it's kind of really exciting that way if you if you like surprises i i guess so what is i guess you know what is the biggest thing you've learned about yourself 
after you know pursuing finding you loved stop motion and, and animation and art and then looking back you know we've talked about your career and some of the projects you worked on and becoming a teacher what's the biggest thing you learned about yourself um during this time i think the biggest thing i learned was like the, something about something about like the importance of self-care and mental health like that's got to be there because right. doing doing a, like pursuing a creative profession is difficult pursuing running your own business and freelance is difficult and a lot of times like it's kind of a mindset game so there have been like a lot of times and especially in the beginning where i just did not feel confident doing what i was doing like on the surface like i make all this cool stuff and i think people are like oh she's awesome but like in the beginning years i was like had so much fear and fear you know shuts down creativity so sometimes mm. it would be just really hard to like make stuff yeah so i think that's kind of like the biggest thing of just like over time if i can like tame the inner critic then and tap into that like inner child that's like really stoked about playing with clay and <laughs> making jokes and stuff like that in animation form if i can so i think turn down the monster and like turn up the child then i then i kind of feel like it's cool to like pursue opportunities or it's like that you can do anything kind of feeling totally. <laughs> or you know just not worry as much about the practical realities like for sure take care of the practical realities and at the same time like nurture like your inner child and like take care of your take care of your brain basically. yeah i i really connect with something you just said it was just that what you just said but um kind of reflecting on all the people i talk to and even my business career you know stop motion animators especially kind of always talk about like getting back to that sense of play and and inner child versus like, you know, business career. You're not going back to your inner child. You're like going forward into like capitalism and, <laughs> and all that stuff. So, yeah. you know, and and as 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 for me, as I get older, it gets harder, not harder and harder, but like, you know, more and more responsibility, you know, uh, you know, you build up, I don't know, walls and blockages and ways of thinking and in your head. How do you and you said it's important to like kind of cut that fear and tap into your inner child. What is something that you do to like, you know, cut all the clutter and go back to that space now that you couldn't do when you were so scared at the beginning? What is something that you do that helps streamline that process? Um, I actively find ways to like do things that are fun and make me laugh and sometimes sometimes it's also really important just to be like i don't work fridays or something like that so that i have an opportunity to just like leave the studio and visit a friend go see an art show like i took an improv class last summer and oh, you know nice. it has nothing to do with like making money yeah. <laughs> but it was just fun to do so just having like other hobbies makes it so like this does not have to be 100% of your world. Gotcha. I'm still in the phase where animation is 100% of my, my world. Yeah, think, and, and that's okay. Yeah, so. I think as I get more established myself, it'll probably change too. And I, I really like that you because, you know, I've heard other people say, you know, have other hobbies and I'm like, how? <laughs> yeah, well, I will say that, I mean, it's okay, especially like the first few years too. It is just kind of about just like establishing your reputation. And yeah. I think at some point, 
you'll you'll probably figure out when it's okay to do life stuff. <laughs> I think that's a really good answer. I'm glad you try to put fun into your life. I think that's I think that's really cool. Um, well, Annie, you know we've talked about quite a lot. Is there anything that we missed that you still want to uh, share or that we didn't hit on? No. Um, I mean, you know, the only other thing that I've learned is also it's really, um, I mean, I, I used to be a really shy kid. I think a lot of artists are. Um, but when you're doing this kind of thing, like, it's really good to just try to practice, um, like, making friends in the industry if you can, or again, finding some kind of supportive community. Yeah. Because we are, we're actually social beings and we, we need that. That's something I didn't know in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it is really it makes it makes thing, things in general a lot easier that makes a lot of sense we are social beings do you kind of consider the community i guess they're your colleagues too so like you know ask them a work-related question because you're both working <laughs> i guess yeah 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 cool even cool. yesterday i was just chatting with a friend and we were just ranting about annoying work stuff so <laughs> <laughs> perfect you need to rant too i love it um well annie it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and hearing your career journey and all the fun things i think it's absolutely incredible you know the work that you've put out over the years is super fun and colorful and i it all came from storybook gardens and puppetry which is really <laughs> yeah. fun <laughs> yeah thank you so much it's been of a course. pleasure yeah and uh, uh best of success going forward and telling and finding your stories i think i'm it's, it's, that's really exciting you're gonna look out for it too um so thank you so much for coming on the podcast thanks terry cool cool and if you're listening and you want to follow or reach out to annie you can do so by checking out her website which is headexplodey.co or her instagram which is headexplodey and i'll include both those links in the description of this chat and that's all for now so thank you so much for listening okay bye the music for this podcast was composed by Willem Mendo and the graphics by Luhan Wang. I encourage you to look them up if you've enjoyed their work. <laughs>